Previously on the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Travelling back in time to June 2014, we harped on about Harp. Where has Harp gone? Talked Benghazi, something that doesn't seem to be mentioned too much these days, and ruminated over the death of the Archduke Ferdinand. Mm. Uh, this time in 2015, we talked about gender identity and Agenda 21, all the genders. Um, we should maybe go back to gender identity because that particular conspiracy theory has kind of gone mainstream. It really has, but talking about mainstream, 2016, June, we celebrated our 100th episode and talked about the Bilderberg Group. Now, having been to the Hotel de Bilderberg, that now means I'm a member of that group and thus even more suspicious than usual. Mm. Uh, the highlights of June 17 were the birches. Good old birches. Trees, I assume. We talked Indeed, about trees. Yep, yep trees. Uh, and Russian death lists. Always a barrel of laughs. Which I presume I'm on, and possibly you mm. are as well. Hope so, by now. And then last year in June, we talked about Felon Gong and organ harvesting. And that's not actually funny, but it's funny because we have an update on that in this very mm. episode. But it's not June any of those other years, it's June 2019. And it's 8pm. And this is The Conspiracy News. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. And welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy News Edition. It's our first first attempt at this weird new format we're doing. So we've done three weeks of normal topics with no news. It's the fourth week. It's time for news. All news, all the time. Well, they do make it sound as if we've never done a news-centric episode unscripted before, well, yeah, which of course we have. We have actually done episodes pretty much identical to this, but never as part of an overall scheme. It it's is part of a plot, a conspiracy, plot. you might say, well, except it's not it very secret. Done in secret no, and so I'm actually not quite sure what the intention is. No. So it's kind of just an activity done by two people, mm. and that's that, that not kind of really... makes, it a, makes it a thing. Yeah, yeah. Much this is a thing we're doing on the podcast as mm. Guide to the Conspiracy. So no topic, just news. So I guess we should get into the news. Yes, we should. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Right, so a bumper harvest of news culled from the events of the last month or so. But the most important story concerns Keanu Reeves. Darling of the internet. And also an Oxfordian. That's a Shakespeare thing? Yes, he believes that the Earl of Oxford is the real person who wrote the Shakespearean canon. You might love Keanu Reeves and claim he has no suspicious beliefs and no bad characteristics. I put it to you. Someone who thinks that Edward de Vere wrote the Shakespearean canon? <gasps> oh. So he actually he said that, did he? In he did, yes. or something? Yeah. yeah. Whilst being surrounded by puppies answering questions from the internet. Huh. The utter swine. It sounds like something he'd do. But we're not here to talk about Keanu Reeves and his dreamy eyes and long, luxurious hair. Uh, instead, we're going to talk about the Gulf of Oman, because I, th I think that's probably been the biggest thing over Although, the last month. Strangely enough... It's kind Actually, of going away. Yeah. 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 So in the bonus content last week, we talked about the Gulf of Oman and the claim that the US is saying they have evidence that two of the oil tankers that were attacked or 
damage in the Gulf of Man was due to Iranian forces. Iran says no. The Japanese who own the tankers say actually the story doesn't quite fit. America produced a photo which they took to be evidence of a limpet mine being detached by the Iranians after mm. the attack. The EU or EU member states, uh, so NATO in particular, are going, mm, we need slightly more evidence than that. And then of a few days ago, Donald Trump has been telling people to tone down the rhetoric mm. about the Gulf of Oman. So what looked like a Gulf of Tonkin escafir, which is not to say it was a false flag, but certainly an event which looked very similar of, yeah, yeah. to the Gulf of Tonkin affair, seems to be dissipating quickly. Although as soon as we say this, there's going to be something happening that we're not aware well, of. Exactly, and yes. by the time we actually go out, the story would have changed entirely. But yes, no, that does seem to be the thing. Like they... They, they, they were trying it on. People have said, this is just like that bloody Gulf of Tonkin thing, isn't it? And now they're, they're just sort of trying to sweep it under the carpet a little. But as you say, yes, by the time this goes out tomorrow morning, possibly we'll all be at nuclear war. Here's hoping. So instead, let's talk about child pornography. Yes. Good have old... you been sending people child pornography recently, Josh? Not that I know, but my computer could have been hacked. I could be broadcasting child pornography as far as the eye can see. So you're you saying you could be the new Alex Jones. I, I, I literally am the new Alex Jones. You uh, need to be more aggressive in your answers. I am the new Alex Jones. No, the new Alex Jones is so, more chill. Not more so aggressive that we peak like I just did there. Yes. No, so Alex. So obviously you all know Alex Jones is being sued for being a dick about Sandy Hook and all that business. You could just said he's been sued for being a dick. Well, yes, specifically, so many eventualities. Yeah, there have been a few things, but specifically the families of the uh, victims of Sandy Hook. Um, and it turns out. He, Alex Jones, well, not probably not Alex Jones personally, Alex Jones's lawyers sent the um, families of the Sandy Hook victims' lawyers a whole bunch of electronic files, and when these lawyers looked through them, they found child pornography among them. Dun, dun, dun! Um, now, that seems like an odd thing to do, send child pornography to the opposing counsel. Especially when they're suing you. It Especially doesn't really look very you. good in court, because we have a new complaint, what is that? Alex Jones sent us pictures of children mm. naked. So Alex Jones claims he's being framed, claims someone has it somewhere along the line has hacked someone's computer and, and well, managed no, to not hack the computer. So the documents they sent to the to the lawyers of the families representing the Sandy Hook victims, those documents included a tranche of emails sent to InfoWars. And the implication here is the child pornography was sent by email to InfoWars, and the lawyers simply packaged up all of the emails they had under discovery to send to the lawyers for the Sandy Hook families, and that's how the child pornography has swapped hands. Well, yes, that appears to be the, the, the actual facts of the matter. Yeah. I think Alex so Jones has been going on about hacking hack. and oh, well, and yes. so on. Yes. So he yes. is claiming he's been hacked because, of course, Alex Jones has said the real victim here is Alex Jones. Mm. It's the lawyers for the Sandy Hook families who have sent the, who have somehow introduced child pornography into his computers. Now, I mean, th this is actually a case where I kind of feel like being charitable to Alex Jones yeah. here, because it does kind of look, you know, why the hell would anyone do that? It does seem more plausible that someone was trying to make him look bad by somehow slipping child pornography into... And the thing is, they have successfully made his lawyers look bad, mm. because... 
if the lawyers had actually bothered to check the documents they were sending through, they would have discovered there was child pornography in amongst those documents. And as it's a federal crime to share child pornography in any sense, then they would have realized they're about to commit a crime. Mm. So his lawyers look very bad because they didn't actually do the work to check the documents they were sending to the families of the Sandy Hook massacre. Mm. Yeah, so... The, sorry, so the families victim, of the victims yeah. of the Sandy Hook massacre. The Sandy Hook massacre does not have a family. No, no. Yeah, so even if, it's, if, if it is a frame-up, and it seems entirely plausible that it could be, th they've still committed a crime. Ignorance is no defence. They, now, they of course, it might not be on. a frame-up. It might just be that because Alex Jones is a big name and his emails are all over the place, he's been put into a list, and that list has been used for trolling purposes and people just mm. randomly sending out inappropriate images. So there is a possibility there's no conspiracy here at all. But it does seem that we can kind of go, actually, maybe Alex Jones is not technically in the wrong here, even though his lawyers are. Mm. Um, but he does appear to be technically in the wrong in other, in other fronts. Um, he apparently has personally targeted one of the attorneys um, in one of his shows and has been sanctioned for doing so. And because of that sanction, he's lost a special motion to dismiss the case. And so he's, he has kind of shot himself in the foot there by being his usual Alex Jonesy self. Which includes he will have to pay the attorney fees for the investigation as to where the child pornography came from. Mm. So he's going to pay for that child porn no matter who got it. Mm. Now, in the in the bonus content for this episode, we're going to be talking about Alex Jones a little bit more. Not not news. We thought we're, the, the bonus content tends to get a bit newsy. So we thought in a news episode, the bonus content should maybe be a bit different. It should be more... Contenty. Mm. Now, I have to make sure I said that properly, because otherwise you might say contenty in a way which sounds with our shortened vowel sounds. It does. A, yeah. little, a little vulgar. And we would never be vulgar. We have never been vulgar on this podcast no. at all. So anyway, tune in for an interesting story about the, the life and times of one Alex Jones. But yes, moving on. basically Alex Jones's origin story. Mm, his is secret superhero exactly origin story. exactly what he said it is? Or is it a little bit of a lie? Mm. But yes... Moving on, Environment. environmental reporting. Apparently, they, apparently, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah, so this is more an example of a story which is actually just worth looking into because of the way that people talk about environmental issues. And it turns out that being a war correspondent is pretty bad. People die mm. as a war correspondent quite naturally for being in a war zone. The second most deadly profession in the reporting world is being an environmental reporter. But because you get swept away by by icebergs or killed by polar bears? No, you get out? killed by the people who run mines in third world countries. Ah, because well, you've, about that? you've embarrassed them. And so they either have you killed or they send you death threats or they send your family death threats. Mm. So apparently 29 journalists have died in the last decade due to big fossil fuel extractors and the like, threatening or just having journalists killed. Mm. Well, that's lovely. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, the, the, this is conspiratorial in nature, certainly, mm. if people are organising to do these things. But as a general point, yeah, it's um, a bit of a worry. It is a wee bit. A little bit like MI5. Yeah, now, MI5, those rapscallions, those wacky jackanapes. 
those spies spies yep yep they've been up they've been caught basically doing dodgy stuff and in, in, in shades or actually not shades of probably more pronounced stuff than some of the things we've seen here in new zealand um uh, but basically they've been they've been gathering uh, surveilling people and gathering data without actually ticking things off and doing it properly and getting all the proper permissions they've just been going out and scooping up whatever data they feel like and and then putting it in, and I use a technical term here, an ungoverned space, mm. which is basically a space which has so a storage facility, unit, program, or database, which has virtually no checks and balances with respect to who can access it or what the data can be used for. And then this data in ungoverned space is then used to get surveillance warrants to gather more data, even though the surveillance warrants are illegal because the data they were using wasn't actually appropriate for the task. Mm. So and they've been doing this knowingly mm. for oh, several years now. Yes, yes. So um, this... <clears throat> Their failure to comply with all the rules and regulations was severe enough that the Investigatory Powers Commissioner's Office, the IPCO, um, has sent a team of inspectors around there for a week to investigate. Um, Green Party peer Jenny Jones, who, which is a name that sounds familiar, but possibly just because it sounds like it comes from a comic book. Or Doctor Who. Do we know Jenny Jones? No, uh, not I, offhand. I, 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 yep. Possibly making stuff up when I think she's someone who's come up before them. Uh, but she said, This report has confirmed what we've known for some time, that the security services as well as the police are operating their surveillance systems without accepting that they have to operate lawfully and in a properly targeted manner. And as you said, we had a similar issue with our secret service here just a few years ago, where they thought they were pretty legal with the evidence or requirements for wiretaps. And then the courts went, no, no, you're not. Mm. And again, it's, I mean, this this can go all the way back to sort of your Edward Snowden and that sort of stuff. This is the sort of thing which five or so years ago, if you'd said MI5 was up to, people would say, oh, you, you, you big, you big tin, put your tinfoil hat back on, you big conspiracy theorist. And yet more and more it's coming out that no, actually, sometimes these security agencies do do stuff that they're not supposed to do. And the question now is, is it? Sometimes, or is it a lot of the time? Yes, yes. So. And many people would suspect it's actually it's been a lot of the time for a long time now. Mm. So on that cheery note, um, we can wrap up the, the news section of this news episode. But we have a bunch more news. It's just not so much news as more of that sort of, sort of olds. Uh, there have been in the past month a bunch of news stories which actually relate back to things we've talked about in the past. Which means we can use the updates and retractions sting. Mm, that sting again. Updates and retractions. Ah, that's a quality sting. I'm just thinking about sting now. The musician or the wrestler? Or the, the sword the, from Lord of the Rings? No, uh, well, actually, the musician who apparently can have tantric sex for up to nine hours. Well, that's what he says. And many people go, you don't really want to have one single act of coitus for nine hours in time. Sting does. Yeah, I don't think that makes him the best lover in the world. I know he probably thinks he's the best mm. lover in the world, in the same way that Moby thought he was the best lover in the world for going out with people 20 years younger than him. Mm. Turns out that a lot of men have very strange views on things, including 
white man in the South Island of this country. I found a way to take us from Sting Sting to Neville Philip Arps. Yep. Philip Neville Arps. Him too. Let's let's get the name of this white supremacist (laughs) dickhead right. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, So this is the fellow, uh, we mentioned this previously, Um, he was a guy who was um, arrested for distributing the video of the Otatahi mosque shootings. And not just distributing the Mm. video, asking a friend to put a kill counter on the video and superimpose crosshairs in the centre of the screen to make it look more... Fun. Mm. Yes, this this man, I think we can all agree, is one classy individual. Yes, but um, let's not invite him round for dinner. No. Uh, well, we can't because he's been jailed for 21 months. Indeed. Mm. And this is causing a bit of a stir, mostly amongst white supremacists, uh, who are claiming that he's been put in jail not because of his crime, but because of his political beliefs, those political beliefs, as Arps has said, being that of a Nazi. Mm. Well, but I mean, that's just not true because he distributed material that it was an offence to distribute. So Yes, but he's saying that the severity of the sentence ah, okay. is predicated on his politics, not his action. Now, this is slightly muddied because the sentencing judge has said that there is information about his conduct which has not been made public because if it was made public, it might embolden other Nazis. Now, this isn't technically secret evidence. All of the evidence about what Arps did was presented to the jury in a public trial. It's just more that the judge has said there's a factor about the sentencing I don't want to discuss publicly because Nazis might be emboldened if I do. Right, so would that be details of the stuff that he got away with or that he might also got be up part to or... past criminal activity. Uh, Arps yeah, does have so... a bit of a history mm. of being a Nazi. Not just recently, but in a long term fashion. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I mean you you hear secret evidence or, or or information being suppressed around a trial and that does raise the heckles of some, but I don't think um I don't think there's any real cause to, to suggest that maybe this poor poor fellow's been hard done by. No. 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 no yeah, I, I, I'm quite happy with the answer of no. Now, moving on uh, to something we just talked about in the intro. You, you recall about, when was it? A year ago, this time in 2018, we talked about organ harvesting in China. Does China routinely harvest the organs of political prisoners, in particular practitioners of Falun Gong. And at the time, the conclusion we came to was probably, but no one can prove it. That's kind of still the case, but... um, But there's new evidence... Well, there's a new finding finding. by a tribunal called the China Tribunal, which was operating out of the UK, led by a QC whose name was Sir Geoffrey Nice. Nice. A nice QC, mm. literally. Uh, well, he was a prosecutor at the International Criminal Tribunal. Yeah, but he was a nice prosecutor. He was a nice prosecutor. He probably was a nice pros- prosecutor in Nice. In Nice, in France. It's, it's funny if you just say no, nice. Yeah, no, obviously. Um, no, so, 
uh, chaired by this guy, QC, from a former international criminal tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Um, and they they said that the unanimous determination of this tribunal is that certain Falun that they were rather certain that Falun Gong is being used as a source quote probably the principal source of organs for forced organ harvesting. So again, there was no smoking gun as it were. I don't think they were able to say here is something that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly what's happening. But having examined a whole lot of evidence, they seemed quite confident that, yeah, it's pretty much got to be happening. Which is basically based around the discrepancy of organ donations in the world in total and the fact that there are an awful lot of organ donations in China alone, which doesn't quite match patterns found elsewhere but do match interesting things about their prison muster. Mm. And there was also a sort of witness testimony from a doctor who claimed to have um, harvested organs from people, some of whom were not quite dead yet. Um, a woman who uh, was imprisoned for being a Falun Gong practitioner who was sort of asked about medical history and so on and, and was, was eventually released because she um, pretended that she'd renounced Falun Gong um, but reckoned if she hadn't convinced them that she had hepatitis or something like that, she could have been in trouble as well. So there was, um, again, you know, again, it's not 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 a hundred percent proof. You know, if if you want to say, well, you know, maybe they could be lying or making stuff up or disinformation or blah 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 blah. But there seemed to be some fairly strong evidence, certainly enough to convince an international tribunal. So there you mm. go. Of course, China's stance is still officially that no, 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 this doesn't happen. They. In fact, I think they even claim that they've been ramping down the number of organs that they take from executed prisoners as well, like actual prisoners in the actual legal system. So, yeah, I mean, people. Th this tribunal has said what people have been saying for a long time, and it hasn't actually made much of a difference. So who knows if this will make much of a difference, but it is interesting to see an international uh, tribunal come out and actually say it explicitly. I mean, I think what's interesting about this story is the theory that China might be engaging in forced organ harvesting has gone from being a fringe belief mm. to something which is almost the accepted wisdom now. And it's certainly believable, at least. It's yes. something that people... yes, it's gone from being, oh, don't be silly. I mean, people make up stories about China all the time, but that's implausible to, hmm, it is slightly plausible, isn't it? And now it is quite plausible, isn't mm. it? Uh, less plausible... Other oh, stories around Seth Rich, uh, that, that who we've talked about again. on this podcast yep. again and again, quite a few times, now. and again, and we thought it was kind of done with. I mean, even old Sean Hannity had been browbeaten into. Did he actually retract anything, or did he just stop talking about it? I think he basically just stopped talking just stopped, about yeah. it. Um, but you, you'll recall Seth Rich uh, was a man who worked for the uh, the DNC, the election campaign, or whatever. What is it? Democratic National Committee. Correct. The uh, for for the uh, presidential campaign. Uh, a few years ago, he was killed in what the police and basically anyone directly connected to the case say was a mugging mugging gone wrong. Um, but in a sort of Clinton deathless kind of way, people started um, spreading the idea that maybe he had been murdered by the Democratic campaign, and then they started linking that to the hack, the DNC email hack, where if you recall, John Podesta's Gmail account, wasn't it, got hacked and various details got out there. And so Which then led to Pizzagate. Mm. And so 
some people have tried to sort of put two and two together and, and claim that Seth Rich had been the one who somehow hacked the emails and was killed in retaliation or something or something. And basically, it was a stupid bloody thing to say. Um, and to the extent that people have largely stopped saying it because, um, uh, like, the, the family sued in the end, didn't they? They did, yes. So it had kind of been shut down, but... or so we thought. So last week, a alt-right conservative online magazine called Red State hosted a post by one Elizabeth Vaughan, who's a former financial consultant at Merrill Lynch, where our former Prime Minister, John Key, once worked. Mm -hmm. That's completely unrelated to this, but any local list will go, oh, Merrill Lynch, that's John Key's lot. Yes, it is. And in this story posted at Red State, Elizabeth Vaughan promoted the conspiracy theory that Robert Mueller, you know, of the Mueller report, Mm. had gone out of his way to tweak the report to cover up the fact that the DNC murdered Seth Rich and that Seth Rich was involved in the DNC email hack and not the Russians. Yes. um, Now, this thing, it was printed with with quite a disclaimer, actually. It was. So the the editor of uh, Red State said at the top, I don't do this as a rule, but in this case, I want to emphasize that from the perspective of the leadership team at Red State, Seth Rich's death is settled and it is not a mystery. Each contributor at Red State has the right to express their own opinions. This is one of those cases where we think the opinion is in error. So that's an odd thing to... If you're going to put that at the top of the article, why publish the article in the first place? Here is an article that I personally believe is a lie, but um, who am I? To, to, to the say editor what, of a magazine to has final control as to what appears in my magazine. Who am I to exercise control of any particular kind? See, this just seems like a convenient cover for, oh, this will get some people on side and will make them very happy. And those of us who are slightly more sensible, we can just distance ourselves. We still publish it just to get make sure those people are with us. Mm. And it seems um, like a very calculated ploy. Well, it seems like a case of trying to have your cake and eat it, really. Yes. A calculated ploy. Mm. To have your cake and eat it. Yes. With a calculator. I haven't had a calculator in quite some time. No. Well, nobody does anymore. Here it's all on your phone. Uh, but no, apparently My though, cake is on my phone? Yes. I assume you have a cake app along with your calculator app? No, I shall download one forthwith. See that you do. Uh, now, we, we, we sort of, we say all of this has happened in the time in between the story first coming up and us actually recording this episode, the um, article has been taken down. Uh, but of course now people are talking about censorship and, and the right to an opinion. Indeed, what this has caused is a cry of censorship amongst the right who are angry at the editor of Red State for censoring a post by someone else that she was already critical of in the first place because free speech. Yeah, it's a funny one. The old, um, actually one thing we haven't talked about is the the free speech bizzo going on in New Zealand at the moment a little bit with the, the, the folks from the ACT Party. Yes, yes, we do need to at some point Mm. talk about David Seymour and his very interesting approach towards liberalisation of speech, which seems to only be based upon allowing people to use racist epithets in public. Mm. That's the only thing he seems to be arguing for. Yeah. He doesn't need to be arguing against getting rid of things like defamation torts and the like. No, just how do you censor me for for spreading my... uh, Extreme. In fact, he admitted he thinks he should be allowed to say the N word. 
without right. censorship. Well, he is. He can't say without getting punched in the face in certain quarters. Oh, or I think he thinks that even that kind thing. of a pro- a pro- opprobrium is inappropriate. Yeah. Does, it, does it count as censorship? I mean, they let him say it. They just punch him in the face afterwards. In this imaginary hypothetical. Yes. We're not advocating no, that people should punch no, David Seymour. No, he, is, he, is a, his... he is an elected representative. Uh, we, 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 we weren't too fond of old uh, James Shaw. Being punched in the face. Not we're not too no, fond of James no. Shaw. We love James Shaw. James Shaw's we didn't like him being punched in the face. No. So we pro- so in the interest of consistency, we should probably say we are against David Seymour getting punched in the face. Never but we is. are also against him using the mm. N word. Yep. I think we dug ourselves into and out of that hole quite nicely. So let's let's hurry on to the final final update uh, for today's news only episode, which goes all the way back to our favourite topic. Flight MH370. The story that will, will never, never end. Uh, because Although there's... we have said if it does end, so does this podcast. Yeah. So if you like this podcast, you need to make sure no one ever uncovers the truth of what happened to MH370. By any means And necessary. if you do want this podcast to come to an end, you need to put all of your mm. money into uncovering the truth of what happened to MH370. But there's been a, a, a fairly sizable piece recently um, giving, an, well, when I say another theory, it's a theory that's been going around, it was, was, has been one of the main ones all along, but sort of a, a bunch of, a, a stronger case for it, I well, suppose. Well, I, I would say it's not so much a stronger case, it's a very convincing psychological portrait. I don't think it says anything new, it just really, really digs deep into the notion that it was Zahari Ahmad Shah, the pilot in charge of MH370, who basically led the plane astray. That made the death of 128 people sound rather fun. Not quite right, yes. Yeah. So, so it is the, the murder-suicide theory rather than the terrorism theory or whatever else you... Or, or, or accident, you know... Um, catastrophic failure on the plane theory so this piece i i would i hadn't didn't read the whole thing it was it was very long i just sort of looked at a bunch of the pictures mostly to be honest so it's, 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 eye, it's, but, it's um, a piece that's in the atlantic although it showed up or excerpts of it were in the new zealand here yeah, yeah, I mean, but very very short very short excerpts mm. in our local papers so the atlantic has the full story it is quite long it's largely a recounting of the events a accounting of the available evidence and they the author points out there's actually a lot more evidence than people think as to what happened on the day and the hours after the flight went missing including information which only came out a year or so ago about what the malaysian military knew at the time and then it goes through and says look the only only person that psychologically makes sense to be the person for taking the plane off course is Zahari. But then the evidence gets a little bit weird. So part of the evidence was he was depressed, and that's a known fact about him. Uh, Mm -hmm. His relationship had broken down. Uh, He was spending most of his time at home, pacing around the place, waiting for flights or running simulations of flights on his simulator at home. And then the author goes, well, look, Malaysia said he was a person in good standing. Now we know that's suspicious because Malaysia, you know, they they lie all the time. So if they say someone's in good standing, he probably wasn't. And that's one of those bits of evidence of I'm not entirely sure how we're meant to interpret that. Not what you'd call airtight. No, no. And then they go for the more plausible rationale, 
which was he had actually run a simulation of a flight that's very similar to what we think actually happened to MH370. Mm. So the official investigation goes, well, he ran a lot of simulations of different flights. This is one which vaguely resembles what happened to MH370, but there are all these other sim simulations he also ran, so it's probably just a coincidence. The Atlantic piece goes, no, this is, this is the smoking gun. He basically simulated the flight that was eventually taken by MH370. Now, what is the official theory as it currently stands? Is there one? There kind of isn't. Mm. Yeah, it's a we thing. don't know what happened theory. So, I mean, yeah, from, from what I understand, this theory, it's, it's not implausible. It's, but it's not, a, it's not a slam dunk in any sense. No, and actually what's interesting, at the very end they go, well, we will probably never know because even mm. if we find the plane and we find the two black boxes that were on board the plane, all we're going to get is about two hours worth of recordings audio-wise because they kind of wipe themselves mm. every two hours or so. So unless... One of the pilots, if they happen to be awake while the plane is going down, admits to what they've done, even finding the plane will probably never confirm any particular hypothesis other than something went wrong with the engines, etc., etc. Mm. Which um, is good for us, I guess, in terms of not having to cancel the podcast, but... Um... Pretty Not bad for the Pretty bad for everyone else, basically. Families, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there, there has been, uh, among the families, sort of, you know, agitation, the, the complaints when, when they've stopped searches and so on, and people say, you know, we, we, we need to know. And certainly from a personal level, you know, you could completely understand why someone would want that. But unfortunately, mm. life life is unfair. And that was kind of a depressing note to end the episode on, really, because we have come to the end of all of our... Our news things that didn't take too long. That was good. No, and what's it seem to be interesting for patrons is that we basically, apart from a brief mention of the Gulf of Oman at the beginning, haven't repeated a single thing from our patron updates for the last three weeks. Yeah. But those patrons now get a special treat, something we're not likely to repeat again: a discussion about a piece from This American Life where John Ronson talks about the origin stories of Alex Jones and then confronts Alex Jones with a claim that maybe he's been telling fibs about his becoming a conspiracy theorist story. Alex Jones telling fibs? Never, never could I believe such a thing. Will Josh believe it or not? You'll find out if you're a patron and fling us a few dollars a month to get access to our bonus episodes and other bits and pieces we sometimes come up with. And access to the warm feeling inside that you get from supporting us in our podcasting endeavours. The warm feeling I get inside is due to blood going through my heart. Ah, and the alcohol, I assume. Alcohol is blood. Mm, well, there we go. So, back to regular topics next week, and the week after that, and the week after that. And then the news. And then the news one. In a month's time. Yep, and on and on and on forever. Until the sun burns out, and even then, we'll be living on the moon in the cold, having adapted to a harsh environment, and we'll still be broadcasting mm -hmm. until MH370 is found. We will broadcast until the end of time and beyond. And that's a promise.
Goodbye. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M.R. Extented, which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Monkey Fluids and Conspiracism. Remember, they're coming to get you, Barbara.